Hello and welcome to the Sprint Podcast. The Sprint Podcast is a meeting place for all things agile and product related. In each episode, we'll talk to some of the most knowledgeable people from the space and pick their brains on what is happening out there in the world of product and agile. So I've, um, I've written a quick introduction about you, which I think is about right. You can tell me if it isn't. Okay. Um, so I'm going to introduce you to our listeners, whoever they might be. Um, so Nick Pulse um, is the business agility lead for Australia and New Zealand at Accenture. Um, he's been a keen contributor to the agile community. having recently run Accenture's Agile in Wonderland event across Melbourne, Brisbane and Sydney. Um, I attended the Sydney event. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Um, so thank you for having me. And you're someone that I've actually you've been on my radar for a long time which might sound a bit weird and a bit stalkerish, but I've heard your name here and there for probably two years. Um, and I've only ever heard really good things about you from everybody that's worked with you or for you, which I suppose is really nice. That's lovely, Chris. Yeah, I'm glad you got uh, got the good feedback. Yeah, all, well, I suppose... all, feed, all feedback is a gift, though. So, <laughs> no. I don't know if people would tell me the bad stuff or not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, mate, look, thank you so much for jumping on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having um, me. Um, the... yeah. Pleased to be here and yeah, let's share what share what I can over the next, yeah, uh, thank next you. little bit. So the whole um I suppose the whole premise and point of the podcast is to get people like yourself who are essentially leaders in the space, um, or leaders within the agile community, um, to kind of share their story, share insights, and chew the fat a little bit, really, around all things agile. Um I tend to find that I can help people to a point and I've got information to share to a point, but I'm not immersed in the community in the same way that you are. And so um, I know a lot of people will get um, a lot out of hearing kind of your experience and your story. Awesome. Let's do it. So let's start with how you kind of got into the role that you're in, what your journey was and and what kind of attracted you to working specifically within the Agile space. Great question to start off. So uh, I'm going to go way back and I might go on a bit of a tangent here. So go on. Uh, excuse me while I, while I rant a little bit. Um, <laughs> I still think fundamentally, you know, 16, 17 is far too young to be deciding what you want to do in life. Um, I had that view at the time and I'm glad I did. Um, it kind of led me to a path where I studied something that I would always need. So like a finance degree, essentially. Right. Uh, always have to deal with numbers in some way, shape or form, regardless of what I choose to do uh, or where my career takes me. Um, so I thought, like, let's get a solid foundation and base and build from that. Um, so you know, graduated from university with that finance degree and um, started out with some typical accounting jobs, uh, management, financial accounting. Pretty, pretty dull, pretty dull, <laughs> I must admit. Uh, but it was it was wonderful. Learned a lot about you know the accounting world and finances and you know, forecasting and all that stuff that I still use to this day. So. Amazing experience um, in terms of you know set, setting those solid foundations. Yeah. Um, but then you know I wanted to do you know, something more, something a little bit more exciting, and it kind of coincided with me kind of hopping over to the UK, which most Australians tend to do um, at one point in their life. Um, up until that point, I'd lived in Perth, Western Australia, which is where I'm from. Um, I was playing semi-professional AFL football over there for a team called East yeah. Mantle in the WAFL. Um, and I thought, you know, this will always be here. I can always come back to it. Let's go and, and do something different. So went to the UK. Uh, I did two stints there, a year and a half each time. Um, and in while London. I was over there, what was that? Sorry, Chris? In London. In London. In London yeah. itself. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when I first landed in there, I got a uh, role um, doing 
what I'm going to call uh, like um, scenario modeling for an insurance company, um, which I found really fascinating. So something <laughs> happens here, you know, what is the risk exposure that this insurance company has? And I really enjoyed that. And I was about developing a model, implementing a model and making sure people use that model. Um, I then found myself getting more and more into the like project side of things, which I you know, loved. Fast moving, um, you know, things change on you frequently, which I really enjoyed. And I loved the kind of camaraderie of the team coming together to solve a common problem. Mm. Whereas in the accounting world, you're kind of working behind the desk, working on your numbers and that, and that that's effectively it. So through that, so I came back to Australia, um, continued to do that kind of that project-based work. Uh, and I came across Agile, I'm going to say maybe like 12, 13 years ago now. It's been, it's oh, been really? quite some time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's something that, you know, naturally just lended well with my um, kind of way that I show up and uh, the way I, I get stuff done. Um, coming from that semi-professional sporting background, um, it was all about team, what's our common objective, making sure we're all moving the right direction. Everyone's got equal access to information. We know things are going to come up on game day that we're going to have to adjust to. So let's keep plans flexible. So it's just typically how I did things. Yeah. Um, so continue to kind of move through my, my agile learning journey. Um, and then uh, got some wonderful opportunities to um, support and be involved in a couple of transformations. And, you know, eventually um, kind of uh, was custodian of, of a practice and, and now um, kind of running the practice at Accenture. Uh, been there four years. We've grown pretty quickly over a short space of time. I think when I started, we had about eight or nine people. We're up at 70 today. So wow, I mean, it just lends right. to, you know, just the uh, importance uh, of agility that organisations need to have. And I think, you know, the events over the past three years have just amplified you know, that that need and desire. Um, and obviously, you know, we're, we're here to support, you know, many organisations on, on on their continuous improvement journey. Yeah, nice. That's an amazing story. Do you still play footy or not? I, I'm very old for that, Chris. <laughs> uh, I'm very old. I, I enjoy watching it more now than um, I did when I was playing. Um, yeah, it was right. a pretty, pretty full-on commitment at the time. Um, but, yeah, I enjoy watching it now. I probably watch a little bit too much and still like <laughs> to keep myself still like to keep myself active it's uh something that's now part of my dna to exercise yeah, nice. so if a day or two goes by and i haven't done anything i start to get a little cranky oh really right okay um so you mentioned then the growth of your practice has gone from sort of nine people up to 70 was that a strategic decision within accenture to get you to that point or was that more driven by your clients and the organizations that you were working with need uh, i think i think i think it's a little bit of both so uh accenture maybe like six years ago, acquired a company from the US called Solutions IQ, oh, yeah. um, which was an agile consultancy, uh, very well regarded in North America, a couple of hundred agile professionals. Um, and it's something that Accenture had to make a decision. Do we build this capability from scratch or do we acquire? So they went down the acquisition path. Um, there was a global rollout strategy of the brand at that point in time, which effectively was the trigger for me coming in and helping to build the business. So right. um, it was initiated via Accenture, but you know, the the uh the conditions over the past couple of years have definitely kind of expedited that 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 growth curve that we've been on. Yeah, that's good. And so are you are you still branded as Solution IQ in any way? Or are you just fully Accenture? No, so that uh so that brand has now been kind of uh sunsets and and we're we're known as Accenture Business Agility. So it's now just a, a part of Accenture and that's capabilities that it goes to market with that makes sense um so 
you've been in, uh, on this sort of journey for the last three, four years within Accenture. What sort of trends are you seeing now in that space with the clients that you're working with in terms of business agility? Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, you've probably got two two different tracks. So you've probably got organizations that have been on the agile transformation journey and gone all in, like chips into agile transformation. Mm. And they're, they're now kind of, um, you know, taking a step back and having a look at their organization and what's working and what's not working and starting to kind of unpick some of the things. Um, so they've gone full, let's implement agile and an agile framework, but it's like, well, hey, some of these things don't work for our context now. So let's mm. maybe unpick this a little bit um, to write a little bit more kind of nuanced to uh, to our organization and how we work. So they've gone from inserting a framework and a way of working to start customizing it a little bit to, to, to something that yeah. makes sense for their organization. And there are those that um, coming out of COVID and, and what's happened over the past couple of years just saying, oh, we really need to kind of face into this if we want to continue to survive you know, in the current digital age with things moving mm. so quickly. Um, so they're kind of the two tracks that I see. More generally, I'm seeing organisations really focus on some of the building blocks. You know, Agile delivery at a team level is pretty mainstream, I'll say now. Um, right, exactly. Have, yeah. have, we, have we nailed it? No, I think there's still some way to go. Um, but it's more about those big rocks that are really impeding organisations to be adaptive and responsive to change. So I'm talking about how you might fund work or capacity more more generally in your organisation. How mm. does governance work in your organisation? What does a risk framework look like? What? How does HR support an agile transformation? And how do we ensure that we incentivise people to work on team-based outcomes rather than individual outcomes. So I think, you know, at a team level and a team of team level, we've got that kind of fairly well sorted. Yes. It's more of that portfolio to enterprise level that still needs quite a bit of work. Uh, and I think, you know, def from my experience and what I've, what I've seen is organisations quite quickly move into that space without taking a step back and maybe using more of a test and learn approach. So they go big yes. bang, we're reorganizing the organization. This. You're now tribes and squads. You know, go forth. You're going to be agile. That's not really uh, my view on how it should work. It should be more incremental uh, and iterative, more agile. Um, yeah. You know, no, no surprises. Um, and <laughs> learning what works and what doesn't work because it shouldn't be this big effort every time you make this change. We want to see the, uh, a culture of continuous improvement where you're always making changes. They're just smaller bets. Um, with 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 um, with less risk over time. Yeah, that makes sense. And it, it's interesting that you mentioned that the the first thing you said was that there are organisations who kind of implemented the framework and are, are now starting to almost pick that apart and apart and and figure out what works for their business and their situation. Um, do you think, broadly speaking, there's a more kind of pragmatic way of thinking about agility, or do you still think it's very much trying to take the textbook and Kind of smack businesses over the head with it. I do have an opinion on this. Um, <laughs> so I think as an agile community, we may have done ourselves a disservice here. Um, we preach simplicity, but yet there's a bunch of different frameworks, concepts, and models out there. And you know, we almost come across like salesmen, open up the jacket here. You could have all these <laughs> things, and um, it, it just overwhelms. You know, our clients, uh, our stakeholders. 
and very quickly the focus becomes implementing agile not driving better business performance right. which is what business agility all it, it is all about to be perfectly honest so mm. um, i try and reorientate the conversation to try and focus on three things i don't really care how we get there it could be scrum it could be traditional delivery i don't really mind as long as we're seeing improvements in these three things and that's yes. purpose so are we aligning and inspiring our organization into unified action are we all rowing in the right direction priority once we've got that light on the hill are we working out what's the right thing to do at the right time to maximize return on investment from our finite capacity and then flow once we've worked out what that right thing to do is at the right time how quickly and safely does that move into value that's perfect that's very that's well it, articulated. Right? that's that is it i don't mind how we get there, as long as we can attract improvements across those three things, we're moving in the right direction. And so presumably then in the early days of your conversations with organizations, you're sort of saying, listen, we're not just doing agile for the sake of doing agile. Like what is the point? What's the purpose? And what do we need to do? Correct. Do you tend to find that that's well received or do you sometimes feel like there's kind of um, a bit of pressure coming from the top to say like we need to be agile? I'm seeing more people get it i think you know to my earlier point some have been down this track for a while now not mm. getting the results that they expected out of their their change efforts and that's because they're focusing on the wrong thing they're fo focusing on you know the output but not the outcome um so you know when i talk to senior leaders you know be that you know i've spoken to global boards you know executive top 100s of executive teams ultimately they're there to drive better business and yeah. that's and that's a track that I find resonates with them really well. We're not here to implement Agile. We're here to future-proof your organization and drive better business outcomes for you by responding, but by building capabilities that allow you to respond to the winds of change that are around you. That makes sense. Um, do you think the broader industry is moving in that way, generally speaking? Do you think there's more of those conversations happening? Uh, I think... I think it is happening. I'd like to see more of it. So I'm on a personal crusade to to make sure that happens. And, and Chris, you know, this is part You've of got my, a platform. Yeah, part of part of part of my uh, kind of tour of kind of make business agility <laughs> great again. So uh, I'll be 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 over in the US in in a couple of weeks talking about you know similar topic and yeah. uh, hopefully a few other conferences throughout the year. So. Um, I'm taking it upon myself to kind of spread the word and hopefully as an agile community, we can grab hold of some of these messages and frame our conversations a little bit differently. Yeah, that's brilliant. I was at um, the Scrum Australia event in Sydney um, last week, Thursday and Friday, and one of the topics that came up was um, what does the future of an agile coach look like and what is the future of that role? And there's lots of different opinions. Um, I think we very briefly spoke about it did. when I saw you down in Brangaroo, um, but I was keen to expand on that a little bit with you and, and get your thoughts on, on where you see that going. Yeah, it's really interesting. I've had this view for a little while now that I feel like there's a, a finite shelf life on the role of an Agile mm -hmm. coach. Um, as Agile delivery becomes more mainstream, um, the need for coaches goes, goes away, in, in my opinion, and you need really experienced delivery folk that know Agile. And when I talk about Agile, I'm talking about Agile delivery methods. Um, your Scrum, your Kanban, you know, insert name here. Um, so I definitely see 
you know, the, the role of the coach diminishing over time and mm. more of a more of a focus on two roles. So the agile kind of delivery lead type of role, but also like an agile strategist. So you'll still have those big organizational building blocks that will need to be broken down to enable more agility through through organizations to allow them to respond and adapt and sense what the consumers are saying. Yeah. Um, and, and you still need those those folks that you know, have done this before, understand, you know, what works and what doesn't and and, and looking out for those signposts along the way um, that can co-create something with these organisations that brings their subject matter expertise together with that unique business context to achieve, you know, the outcomes that they're seeking. So yeah, I feel like you know, finite shelf life for coaches over time, how long that is, I don't know. I'm, I mean, we're already seeing in the US a whole bunch of, you know, coaches being you know, let go of some, you know, really reputable um, firms that have been on this journey for a while now. Um, I do see, you know, having more delivery experience in our Agilist is something that, you know, I'm seeking to um, cultivate definitely in, in my practice, as well as, you know, building those skills for those those that want to go down that, you know, Agile strategist track. Yeah, I'm, I am, broadly speaking, I'm seeing the same thing across my clients, whereby there's certainly still the appetite there for coaches. And I, I do work with some organisations who are quite early on in the journey. And so, naturally a coach is required but they still quite like those coaches even to have i suppose a, a proximity to delivery and to understand delivery and have an appreciation for what that is and not just be purely theoretical yeah uh, and i totally get the, the value agile coaches bring you know i've been, sure, been, yeah. been a coach and you know i've got many coaches in the practice um so i'm not not saying that they don't add value because they add tremendous value i think the value is sometimes hard to to quantify because you know their success is um directly um kind of stitched to the team's success that they yes. that they're coaching but always seems to be the first role to go when there's cost pressures or constraints so um, i think that you preach proof yourself for those people listening is to you know get more delivery experience or position yourself as that agile strategist that you know brings really niche expertise in things like lean portfolio management, you know, goal setting techniques like OKRs, uh, agile finances, ad, uh, you know, agile HR, and you know, even something like lean agile procurement, which is a very niche um, kind of capability that some organisations are starting to take an interest in. That's really good advice. Um, it's funny, I think even at the beginning of COVID, I, I got the impression from the market and the feedback from the market was almost like they viewed agile coaches as a luxury item. Um, and I think when there's uncertainty in the market and there's cost-saving exercises happening broadly, I think that kind of narrative starts to creep back in a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they're not hands-on keyboards. You can't act direct directly attribute their work to an outcome. That's they right. help enable account an outcome, but they're not you know um, directly attributable to it. So I get why organisations take that perspective. Do I agree with it? No, not always. Um, but yeah, understand the economic rationale behind you know, some of these decisions being made. Yeah, likewise. Um, and so you've got obviously a lot of coaches in your practice. Will you make moves to help them to pivot? And if so, what would that look like? And, and what do you think you can do? Yeah, I mean, we already, already have, to be honest, um, Chris. I, I look for coaches that can play in that delivery or, or strategy space. I, I don't feel like a single... Uh, people should wear multiple hats effectively and i think the mm. great thing uh, about accenture is you have the opportunity to do many different types of roles so 
um, you know, where times are a bit leaner and there's not those, you know, those coaching roles that are around, then we jump into agile delivery or, you know, the agile strategy work. I think we can we can afford to pull a, a few more levers than other organizations can, just given our uh, the, the, the scale and, and size of our yeah. operations and, you know, the breadth of different work that we do. Yeah, that's really good. It's interesting. I, I've seen a lot of hiring organizations wanting that kind of multiple hat wearing capability whereby they might call it an agile delivery manager. And really what that transpires to be is a scrum master who's also an agile coach and can take delivery accountability. And I'm seeing more and more of that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. The way I kind of position it to people coming into our practices is a bit of a choose your own adventure. You may come in as a scrum master and choose to be the best scrum master you can be. That's cool. If you want to do some coaching, that's great too. If you want to stay on more of that delivery track and become you know, a release train engineer or an agile delivery lead, um, that's great. And if you want to kind of dabble in some of that strategy work, we can do that too. So That's awesome, yeah. man. Open up the doors. It's up to you to decide where you go based on your interests. And you know, my job is to make sure that those people are well supported on their journey. That's brilliant. Um, so one of the topics that came up at Agile in Wonderland was um, the future of work, and that was a hot topic. Generated lots of discussion during the fireside yeah. chat. Um, I was curious to get your thoughts a little bit on on what you think will happen and what you think the future of work looks like, both in our space and broadly speaking. Yeah, I don't know if I'm qualified to talk about this, but I'll, I'll give you my <laughs> views at least anyway. Yeah. Um, I think we are in very interesting times. You know, the whole, um, you know, AI with chat GPT and that oh, new one has come wild. out, right? And like a whole bunch of these, you know, technology leaders globally have come back and said, maybe we should hit the pause button for six months, you know, while we assess what this actually does to humanity. I think yeah, you know, I think we're we're living in some really interesting times, um, and it will will shape how we work and um, and the work that we do. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. Do I have a crystal ball? By no means, um, I do. I think what organisations need to try and do better is create that purpose, um, that a stronger purpose narrative for their employees because that's becoming more and more important than what it might have done in the past. So Absolutely, how yeah. do I, you know, do I believe in the purpose of my, the organisation that I work for? Does it inspire me to show up and be at my best every day? And do I use it to guide, you know, decisions I make on a day-to-day -day basis? I think that's becoming, that purpose-driven work is becoming more and more important. What the work looks like going forward, I'm less certain. Um, I think that, you know, um, obviously, those you know, those day-to-day, -day, you know, repetitive activities, you know, um, uh, those will be, um, you know, dwindling um, with, auto with, with increases levels of automation. But that provides wonderful opportunities to step into more um, strategic roles and strategic opportunities for for organisations. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's part of the cycle of of evolution. I feel like you know, as humans, we've been doing this constantly. Um, but the cycles are becoming very, very short. So um, yeah, and I'm the changes are becoming more significant. Correct. Okay. So I'm, I'm interested to see where this takes us, and more importantly, how it shapes you know, future generations. So my little boy yeah. is six. I mean, what does work look like for him in the future? It's going to be uh, uh, pretty, pretty interesting. I almost wonder if, like, the humanistic side of what we do is going to become more important because everything else is going to be taken up by automation and AI. And I yeah. suppose, like. I, I say this now, I could be totally wrong. 
what we're doing right now, this is this is for people to do in my eyes. Maybe maybe AI can generate discussions in the not too distant future and put out podcasts. I have no idea, but I feel like these are the interactions. These are the important things. Right in ad, in my world, right in adverts, CVs, even LinkedIn content. You know, realistically, ChatGPT can probably write it. And mm-hmm. in fact, I had chat, um, ChatGPT write an advert as an academic thing yeah. for an agile coach, and that uh, the advert that I came up with was better than anything I've ever come up with. Which is scary. It is pretty scary. It is pretty yeah. scary. And I'm not I'm not a very good advert writer, to be honest. But even so, um it would it was scary. And yeah. I will I will use that. I've got no shame about saying I'll I will use ChatGPT, at least to give me the bare bones of an advert that I can then manipulate. Yeah. yeah. I suppose um, my, my biggest concern with you know what I'm seeing is what it does to the you know, the divide between the rich and the poor. You know, just taking a step back. I see. You know, a whole lot of people getting richer off these things and those jobs coming going away from the people that need them the most. So I think as a global community, I'm really going out there now um, on a tangent. So as a global community, how are we going to come together and, and make sure that there's some uh, more equality in the world um, as we as we start taking some of these more remedial jobs, jobs yeah. away through automation? Right. That's right. Um one thing that I wanted to to explore with you, and I ask everybody who who comes on the podcast this very same question: What advice would you give to somebody who is keen to move into an agile coach role or a scrum master role who perhaps doesn't have that experience yet? How would someone make that transition from, say, a BA or a, or a traditional delivery role? Yeah, I think, and we have some people in in my practice that don't don't come haven't come from a standard pathway and i think what i look for uh, first and foremost is that mindset um you know a, a growth mindset that is curious um wants to wants to learn um doesn't see impediments as like a a barrier they see it as an opportunity to learn so um that's what i'm looking for in people i can t- we can teach them that the fundamentals of uh, a scrum and kanban and you know scaling agile frameworks you know quite easily it's about you know fundamentally is your purpose to learn and grow and be the best you can be uh, and are you uh, fundamentally a good person that wants to help people they are really the two attributes i'm looking for everything else we can upskill you on that's, that's very good so in that particular instance how does somebody make you as a potential employer aware of those traits? Because it's very difficult to read that sort of thing in a CV, right? It is. It is. Uh, you know, um, getting people into a conversation is that first, like if I can get people into a conversation, I know within five minutes whether they've got it or not. Yes. Um, you know, to your point, how do you make that known? You know, call it out in your CV as much as possible. What books have you read? What courses have you undertaken? How are you investing in your own continuous development? Like demonstrating that on on your CV speaks volumes, and will get my get my yes. attention. So, um, showing how you're a, a lifelong learner, investing in yourself is probably you know the key thing in my perspective to put into your your profile. As long as you've got kind of the building blocks in terms of some basic roles that you've had, that might be enough to pique someone's interest and entertain an initial conversation. And within the first kind of five or ten minutes, I know that if that person's you know a genuine person, yes, um, who's got goodness in their heart and and really wants to make a difference in the world. Yeah, that's good. So, I, you know, what? I've never had that answer right. That's really important to be able to, I suppose, prove that continuous learning mindset. Last question. We've we've done really well here. I feel like we've rattled through quite a few subjects. You're obviously very well rehearsed, so you're ready to go <laughs> to America now. And I can. Uh, I that's can be just something to... I'm passionate about, mate. So I can talk about it very easily. <laughs> 
I can I can say I played my part. Have you got any um, other events lined up? I know you've just come off the back of the Agile and Wonderland piece. Appears certainly from my perspective that that was a, a roaring success. What's next yeah. on that front yeah. for you? I mean, it's really good. Um, we obviously partnered up with our good friends at Atlassian. Um, we both entered into a, a global strategic partnership. It's fairly unique. It's the only one um, globally where both firms are, are investing um, some dollars in. So it's pretty pretty significant for us and very important. Um, and we just wanted to, to give back to the Agile community. It, it had been a while since we kind of had all got together and and uh, we didn't position anything salesy. We just wanted to kind of share some concepts and, and knowledge and just like get people together and, and have some fun. So we think it was a good success. Um, the feedback so far has been really positive. I think we had uh, roughly about 80 in each location. So um, really good turnouts. Definitely something we're looking at, at doing again uh, next year. On oh, the good. immediate horizon, there's um, yeah, a big effort towards the global Atlassian conference, Team 23, which is happening in mid-April. So, yeah, we're we're creating some some really interesting experiences for executives around that, um, which will be really fun. And probably the next one on our horizon here locally, well, there's probably two actually, is um, the Safe Summit, which was I think earmarked for kind of mid-year, and then Agile Australia shortly thereafter. So. Um, yeah, right. We'll probably see some some of you uh, around at those those events, and it's always great to catch up with the uh, the agile community. Uh, lots yes. of passionate people. It's um, class. Yeah, and and, it's, and and love catching up. Love love catching up and shooting the breeze with them. Yeah, it's so good. I think um everybody's been desperate. I think we talked about this. Everyone's been desperate to get back to those kind of face to face interactions, get in a room with each other, and kind of network and learn and just kind of chat, man. Because it's been it feels like it had been forever during COVID and. I don't know if you guys made any attempt to, to kind of move events online. We did, and you know, th there's value in it for sure, um, but it's not the same. It doesn't compare. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like most people, we did what we could over 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 COVID. So we'd have like a Friday like virtual drink session with the team, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which yeah created a, a, a bit of fun, which was good to break up you know the, the monotony of of work and kind of living at work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's great great that things are yeah. You know, back to normal touch wood um and yeah great to catch up with you know uh our, our friends and, and friends and family and colleagues you know on a regular basis um, yeah it's great you know, we, we have our monthly all hands um obviously try and when i'm in sydney and other locations try and catch up with the team if it's dinner oh, or nice. drinks or something like that so it's, you know it's just really important to create those um th those human bonds and and those you know really um you know, relationships over things outside of work, which makes your team team stronger. Definitely. Yeah. And I think um the Agile community is built on that sort of thing, isn't it? It yeah, seems to me it's absolutely. like it's obviously a small community really. Um but you see the same faces, you see the same people, you end up talking to the same people, which I love. It's for my industry it's brilliant. Yeah. Um but there's certainly a lot of passion there, isn't there? There there is indeed. Good. We're not sure um, of passion in the Agile community. No, not at sure. all. <laughs> not at all. There was some very heated discussions happening last Thursday and Friday at um the Scrum Australia event. Oh, I'm sure, no doubt. Yeah. No. Um, I'm, I, I should tell you actually, I, I ended up playing with some Lego again down there as well, and I felt I felt pretty good after having done a little bit of Lego serious play at your event. I was, it's quite uh, I was feeling, therapeutic, isn't it? It is, man. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. good. Uh, well, we're, we're looking at introducing it a, a bit more to you know more creative based sessions where you got a problem to solve, but don't know how to solve it. It's uh, yeah, it's a really powerful tool. Yeah, it's cool, man. I enjoyed that part. Nick, thank you so much for um, 
for jumping on the podcast. I, I really appreciate it. And um, you've covered with grace a few interesting topics there. Articulated yourself perfectly. So thank you so much. Um, uh, pleasure, Chris. Thanks for I know, your time, man. And I know you're really busy. Anyone, no, all good. And if anyone wants to continue the conversation, hit Chris and I up on LinkedIn and we can uh, we can go from there. Definitely. Once we um when we post the podcast out, I'll make sure you're you're linked in the everything on LinkedIn so people can can reach out to you. But I know you're out there anyway. I know most, most people will know who you are when we uh, when we post it. All in good ways. <laughs> Mostly in good ways. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> Love it. All right, mate. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Cheers. Bye. Bye.